We would like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on this uh, dark and stormy night. And my name is Gavin Walker, and of course you're listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And we have three hours of some of the very best in jazz music for you. And, of course, our jazz feature, which now we have at the very beginning of the show. And uh, tonight is one of the foremost and most underrated voices of the modern alto saxophone, William Sonny Chris. We're going to be listening to um, a very fine album that he did back in the mid-50s and... Uh, listen to his uh, wonderful stylings on the alto saxophone. And also, uh, we're going to follow the feature with um, a concert recording. A couple of uh, fairly lengthy tracks from a concert recording. This is after the feature, uh, with Sonny Chris uh, on the same stage as Charlie Parker and uh, other people. Uh, such as Fats Navarro and so on, from a Norman Grant's Jazz at the Philharmonic concert. But we'll get to that when we get to it. First of all, the jazz feature. And Sonny Chris was uh, a wonderful alto saxophonist that was born uh, October 23rd, 1927. So this is kind of a belated birthday tribute to, to Sonny. William Sonny Chris was born in Memphis, and he became interested in the saxophone when he heard a gentleman by the name of Hank O'Day. And I've heard a lot about Hank O'Day. George Coleman told me a lot about Hank O'Day. And uh, Mr. O'Day influenced Sonny a great deal and, of course, motivated him to ask his mom to buy him a saxophone so that he could, uh, <laughs> he could try and play like Mr. O'Day. And uh, another great saxophonist that was influenced by Hank O'Day and actually changed his name is the great uh, Hank Crawford. And Hank Crawford grew up in, in, in Memphis. Now, Hank's uh, um, name, real name is Benny or Benjamin Crawford, but he changed it to Hank um, Crawford uh, out of deference to Hank O'Day. The problem was that Hank O'Day never recorded. And so we'll never know what sort of uh, what he sounded like, uh, but his influence, obviously, in, uh, to Sonny Chris and uh, Hank Crawford and George Coleman and a lot of the other musicians that were from Memphis is huge. And, of course, um, uh, we'll never know, unfortunately. We can only hear verbal uh, descriptions of Mr. O'Day's playing. One of the many, many musicians who never got a record date or on records. Too bad. However... Sonny Chris moved to, with his mom, to Los Angeles when he was 15, and by that time, uh, he was playing in high school dances, uh, he was quite proficient on the saxophone, and of course, the jazz music scene in Los Angeles was booming, um, especially where the Chris's lived, uh, in Watts and Central Avenue. Uh, there were tons of clubs there, and it was like the Harlem of the West in Los Angeles because there was a mass migration of um, African-Americans to that area. They settled in, opened clubs, 
um, bars, restaurants, this kind of thing, and live music thrived. Sonny Chris quickly became a part of that scene and um, eventually uh, finished high school and became a professional musician, began to be heard um, extensively around the Los Angeles area. Things looked really good for Sonny, and uh, he began performing uh, with such people as uh, Young Hampton Hawes and Teddy Edwards and all the movers and shakers of the Los Angeles scene. And, of course, when Charlie Parker and uh, Dizzy Gillespie came to Los Angeles, their, their legendary gig in the, at the latter part of 1945 changed the music scene forever. Once Sonny heard Bird, then he realized his direction. Um, and, and, of course, uh, he absorbed Charlie Parker's influence. And Sonny had the technique and chops to be able to do that. Uh, he continued, and eventually, um, during his early heyday, he, uh, he joined uh, Jazz at the Philharmonic, uh, which was a, a traveling jam session put together by the great impresario Norman Grants. And Sonny um, made his first recordings under his own name for Mr. Grants in 1950. Things looked good. And uh, the Los Angeles scene was still booming, but it was changing. It was gradually dying. Uh, different things were happening. And uh, the coming of West Coast jazz, which was highly arranged uh, music. It was a lot of the musicians from big bands were settling in Los Angeles. Uh, they were beginning to do studio work and jazz work and getting recording dates, and the style of jazz was beginning to change. It was becoming cool jazz, and Sonny Chris was not a cool player. He was a hot player, and his style seemed to be um, out of date, and he was kind of brushed aside, along with a number of other musicians, including Dexter Gordon and people, that, people uh, like that. Uh, had a rough time in Los Angeles because the style had changed so much. And, of course, uh, Sonny just wanted to play jazz more than anything else. Um, he didn't develop great reading skills, uh, so he wasn't and had no desire to do studio work. He felt that that was, that was uh, 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 something that he didn't want to do, he didn't want to participate in, but, of course, that uh, uh, made making a living even tougher. Things came along in the mid-50s, and we're, we're going to, our jazz feature was part of a three-record set that Sonny did, uh, or three-album set that Sonny did for a small R&B label called Imperial Records. Imperial Records was an R&B label, and I think they recorded Sonny more as a tax write-off than anything else. But Sonny made three wonderful albums for this small label. And um, what happened, of course, was that uh, they had limited distribution and quickly became collector's items and um, kind of left Sonny still in obscurity. Uh, toward the end of the 50s, he toured with Buddy Rich in a small band. And um, that was about it. Um, he continued to live in Los Angeles, and after, after uh, leaving Buddy Rich, um, things weren't very much better for Sonny. In the early 60s, he took off to Europe, lived there for a couple of years, and things really opened up, and he made some wonderful records over there. It was a very happy time in his life. 
but um, he wanted to come back home again. He felt he had to make it at home. Came back home, same old scene, no gigs, nothing. He played a jam session one night, and Don Schlitten from Prestige Records was there and signed Sonny to a contract. And Sonny made a whole series in the 60s of beautiful albums for Prestige Records. And these are his best-known albums. They're still in circulation, they're widely heard, and they really present Sonny at its best. So we'll, we'll uh, stop the biography of Sonny, of Sonny uh, Chris right now and, and, and get to the music. Um, Sonny's, and uh, we'll tell you more about that later on. I'll wrap it up after, the, um, after you hear the jazz feature. So we're going to go back, Imperial Record, the mid-50s. And this one is Chris Player. And it's all Cole Porter and wonderful uh, pieces. was one of the fine songwriters in American pop music history. And Sonny Chris really does uh, one of these tunes. They're very long, and uh, Sonny interprets them in his own unique way. So we're going to get to the music because uh, we can talk a lot more, but uh, I'm sure you want to hear our jazz feature artist, the late, great Sonny Chris. Uh, incidentally, he passed away November 19, 1977, and um, it was a, a very sad departure because it was a suicide, and uh, Sonny was only 50. Um, he had um, discovered that he had uh, incurable stomach cancer and decided to end his own life, uh, not go through all the horrible and uh, sometimes hard um, hospitalizations and pain and all that sort of stuff. He made his decision, and we lost a great musician. Anyway, we'll get to this music. Uh, the people involved here, Larry Bunker is here. Uh, on Vibes. Larry was a very fine drummer who played with everybody in Los Angeles in those days. Very fine musician. He's heard here on Vibes and adds a nice touch to the whole proceedings. Um, on piano, the legendary Sonny Clark, uh, who was living in L.A. at the time. A wonderful bass player, no relation to Sonny, by the name of Buddy Clark is the bassist on here. And the drummer is the legendary Lawrence Marable, or as he was became known, Lawrence Marable, one of the finest drummers that come out of the West Coast. The tunes, and of course Sonny Chris on alto saxophone, and the tunes, we begin with a composition entitled I Love You, written by Cole, these are all written by Cole Porter. The next one is Anything Goes, uh, tune number three is Easy to Love, tune number four, It's All Right With Me. Tune number five is In the Still of the Night. Tune number six is perhaps the most well-known um, Cole Porter tune, Love for Sale. Uh, tune number seven is Night and Day. Tune number eight is just one of those things. Of course, another well-known one is tune number nine, What is This Thing Called Love? And the final tune is I Get a Kick Out of You. All these tunes are going to be heard this evening. And we turn you over now to our jazz feature artist, the great voice of the alto saxophone, Mr. Sonny Chris, plays Cole Porter. Our jazz feature for this evening. I 
Okay, I'm going to cut in here for just a moment to tell you that um, that was actually the wrong track. But that was okay, because that's a beautiful introduction to Sonny Chris's sound. This is not from the album that I um, had planned. This is from, that, that tune is from another album, and it's called Until the Real Thing Comes Along. Another great song. Now we're going to proceed um, with the Cole Porter album. It's simply that I didn't look at the player and actually program um, the tunes. Uh, and uh, now we can start with the Cole Porter album, beginning with the tune, I Love You.
Our jazz feature album this evening, Sonny Chris. The great Sonny Chris on alto saxophone plays the music of Cole Porter. And he did 10 Cole Porter tunes. We even give you an extra one from another recording session from around the same time uh, at the very beginning because of my uh, lack of uh, programming skills. I didn't look at the CD player and start it when I should have. Uh, so we actually heard uh, a little extra tune, which was not from this album, but then we went into it. And uh, we began the Cole Porter set with um, a tune called I Love You, uh, followed by Anything Goes, uh, followed by Easy to Love, then It's All Right With Me, then In the Still of the Night, Love for Sale, Night and Day, Just One of Those Things, what is this thing called love? And I get a kick out of you. Of course, all masterful compositions by Cole Porter provided Sonny with a basis to uh, build this uh, marvelous album, which originally came out on the small label uh, called Imperial Records, and they were basically an R&B label. And um, Sonny was lucky enough during this period, uh, 1956, 55, 56, uh, to record three albums uh, for them. Um, the only drawback was the albums um, had limited distribution and they quickly became collector's items, sad to say, and uh, they really didn't help uh, Sonny Chris's career um, because so few people actually heard these albums and um, they were eventually all collated um, when CDs became popular and uh, Blue Note put them out the complete imperial sessions, and they became uh, more widely known. Sonny Chris, of course, was one of the major voices of the alto saxophone. I sort of gave you a little bit of his history um, with uh, up to the 60s uh, with uh, his signing for uh, Prestige Records. I should tell you the, uh, the people, before we get into that, just tell you the people who were playing with him, wonderful vibes work by Larry Bunker, who is better known as a drummer, but of course a very fine musician, all-around musician, and uh, he was on vibes here, providing a nice contrast, and uh, his little solos were gems. On piano, the great Sonny Clark, legendary musician. On bass, uh, no relation to Sonny, but the bassist, fine, solid bass, bassist by the name of Buddy Clark. And on drums, another legend of the Los Angeles scene, Lawrence Marable, sometimes known as Lawrence Marable. He became, uh, changed his name later on in uh, his life, the late Lawrence Marable. And all of this was recorded um, over a couple of sessions, August and October 1956 in Los Angeles for Imperial Records. So I mentioned before, we pick up Sonny's career in the mid-60s, and he had signed with Prestige Records. And, of course, that was, uh, um, all those albums are easily available, and they're some of his very best work. All of the albums are gems. Um, toward the end of the 60s, uh, Sonny uh, grew to be very dependent on um, alcohol, and it was affecting, um, he was frustrated and, and unhappy and angry about, about his, uh, what was happening in his career, because Nothing was really happening in Los Angeles. He had made a couple of incredible appearances at the Newport Jazz Festival in uh, Rhode Island, and uh, it seemed that things would happen from that, but nothing did. 
And uh, he returned to Los Angeles, and lack of work and frustration and so on drove him to uh, uh, indulge. And uh, eventually, Sonny pulled up his socks. And in the 70s, uh, he entered into an um, alcohol um, a type of AA program, quit drinking entirely, and got a grant from the California government to form a group and tour um, various uh, schools and uh, inner city schools and prisons and so on and play music and lecture about uh, alcohol and drugs, which he did. And uh, that kept him going. And in the mid-'70s began, uh, he made a whole series of wonderful albums uh, for various labels. And, of course, uh, things were starting to happen for Sonny Chris. And... What happened was that uh, a tour of Japan was set up for Sonny. It seemed his life was, uh, was going very well. And uh, this tour of Japan, he had never been there before, and he was really looking forward because the Japanese jazz fans are knowledgeable and love the music. Sonny Chris would have just gone over so big over there, and he was really looking forward to it. And, of course, he had to take a routine medical examination for his... Um, all his immigration and uh, all that sort of stuff. And uh, they found cancer and inoperable stomach cancer. And that was really what made Sonny Chris, sadly, end his life. He committed suicide. He was only 50. And um, that was the end of his uh, his life and his career. And so all we have to go on by Sonny Chris is his, these wonderful recordings. And uh, it's kind of a sad end to uh, a great, great musician who, who had a frustrating career, but he was so dedicated to the music and, and dedicated to jazz. We're going to come back after um, a couple of words from um, a couple of messages for you uh, with some Sonny Chris on the same stage with Charlie Parker. Sonny Chris was once quoted, um, the, uh, he was asked one time how he felt sharing the stage with Charlie Parker. And he said, well, I wasn't afraid of him. And he said, I just, I just played, man. And uh, that's exactly what you're going to hear. And it, uh, this was when, um, during happier days, when Sonny was, uh, had become a part of Norman Grant's traveling jam session, Jazz at the Philharmonic. And we're going to hear an excerpt of a couple of uh, jam session tunes from a Carnegie Hall concert in New York City that were uh, done in uh, 1949, in February of 1949. So we'll be back with those in just a moment. Just like to remind you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker. And we have a couple of uh, important messages, and we shall return right after this. Whoever said money can't buy you friends obviously wasn't a member at CITR. When you become a member, you get the Friends of CITR card with incredible discounts in the UBC and Kitsilano area at Australian Boot Company, Banyan Books and Sound, The Bike Kitchen, The Cove, Dantry's Pub, Displace Hashery, Limelight Video, The Eatery, Fresh's Best Salsa, Gargoyle's Bar and Grill, Lotus Land Tattoo, Nuba Kitsilano, Prussian Music, Rufus's Guitar Shop, and the UBC Bookstore. 
find out more, visit us in room 233 of the sub on the UBC campus or go online to citr.ca. Last night, I left the bar. I was thirsty, and I don't drink wine. I was desperate. I needed blood. I turned to the only place I could. The only place that could possibly help me. Hello, Canadian Blood Services. Hello. I need some blood. A. Positive or negative, it doesn't matter. I'm sorry, we're all out of A positive and negative. Would you like some O instead? No. No, that won't do. Thank you. Good night. Save me. Save yourself. Give blood voluntarily. This message was brought to you courtesy of the Canadian Blood Services and CITR Radio 101.9 FM. Well, now you know. <laughs> All right. We're going to take you back to Carnegie Hall in New York City, in Norman Grant's concert, Jazz of the Philharmonic, February 11th, 1949. And this uh, incredible all-star group of musicians... And uh, we're going to hear, uh, in the order of appearance, we're going to hear a wonderful tenor saxophonist, Joseph Filippelli. And <laughs> actually, he, he uh, became better known as Flip Phillips. And he was one of the great voices, and I think very underrated voices of the tenor saxophone, and one of the most popular members of Norman Grant's jazz at the Philharmonic. He's here. And we're we're going to hear a wonderful trombone player that was kind of forgotten in the, uh, in the history of jazz. He was uh, a favorite of Norman Grant's, and um, he can really play. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't get much critical uh, recognition or anything else and uh, ended up um, giving up playing uh, jazz and moved to Las Vegas and ended up playing uh, for the rest of his life in, in Las Vegas show bands, kind of anonymously. But what a great musician. His name was Tommy Turk, and he's heard on trombone. Then we're going to hear the magnificent Charlie Parker, Bird, on alto saxophone. And he is followed by the legendary and wonderful Fats Navarro. Fats Navarro was probably the, along with Dizzy Gillespie and Miles Davis, um, the greatest modern jazz trumpet player. Uh, unfortunately, Fat's career and life was uh, cut off at age 26. Uh, nine, he died in 1950, and it was a, a bit of a sad story. But Fats Navarro sounded great on uh, this recording, and we'll hear his, uh, his trumpet. He is followed by Sonny Chris. And Sonny Chris, you heard a lot of them. You'll hear a little more of them on this. The rhythm section... The great Hank Jones on piano, Ray Brown on bass, and Shelly Mann on drums. And we're going to hear two uh, jam session tunes. The first one is um, variations on the old favorite uh, Back Home Again in Indiana. And the second one is a tune, um, a jam on uh, a tune written by uh, 
Romberg and Hammerstein called Lover Come Back to Me. And uh, both favorite uh, jam session tunes. So, without further ado, that was the order of the soloists as well that we're going to hear on these two pieces. So, here we go back to Carnegie Hall, February 11th, 1949, and the jazz at the Philharmonic All-Stars. Thank you. 
Misprogrammed once again. I said that the two tunes were going to be Indiana and Lover Come Back to Me. No. Uh, we started with the um, first tune that they uh, actually played uh, when they were, after they were introduced. And it was a Nat King Cole tune called Leap Here. And it was a very popular uh, jam session tune of the time. And of course, the order of the soloists, um, as I mentioned, we heard Flip Phillips on tenor saxophone followed by Tommy Turk on trombone, followed by Charlie Parker on alto saxophone, and uh, then followed by the great Fats Navarro on trumpet, then Sonny Chris on alto saxophone, and the rhythm section, of course, Hank Jones on piano, Ray Brown on bass, and Shelley Mann on drums. And uh, now we're going to uh, do what we uh, had originally programmed, the tune uh, the Hammerstein tune called Lover Come Back to Me. Same order of soloists as well. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
two pieces of music by this uh, jazz of the Philharmonic, the traveling jam session that was produced by one of the great jazz impresarios, Norman Grants. And Norman felt that uh, presenting um, a jam session by great musicians was the way to, uh, to present jazz and, and bring the jam session out of the after hours clubs and, and places uh, and bring it to the concert stage. And that's exactly what he did by bringing uh, a group of all-star musicians together and getting them to play. And, of course, the, the, the excited crowd at Carnegie Hall. This all took place February 11th, 1949, and we heard in uh, the order of the solos was the same for the two tunes that we heard. We began with Nat Cole's uh, little jam tune called Leap Here, and the second one was uh, a jam on the standard tune, Lover Come Back to Me. And the people involved here, Flip Phillips on tenor saxophone, followed by Tommy Turk, very underrated trombonist, and followed by the one and only Bird, Charlie Parker. And Charlie Parker was followed by the one and only Fats Navarro on trumpet. He was followed by the gentleman who did our jazz feature this evening, alto saxophonist, Sonny Chris in magnificent form. And the rhythm section, none other than Hank Jones at the piano, Ray Brown on bass, and Shelly Mann on drums. So there you have it. And uh, this was a long sought after jam session. It was, uh, for years, it was in discographies as unreleased and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, and they finally put it out. Um, I guess they, they had some engineering work done to sort of balance everything. Um, and they finally put it out in 2001. And, of course, uh, became a, a much sought-after uh, compact disc. Norman Grant's one of the great producers and impresarios, the jam session, one of the essences of jazz music. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and we're going to play a couple of tunes, I think three, by the Modern Jazz Quartet. This was the longest-running jazz group, basically the same people. It started at the tail end of 
1952, there was one change in personnel, and that was it. These four gentlemen played together uh, for years until, of course, uh, age and uh, infirmity uh, began to uh, decimate the band. And, of course, now all these gentlemen are gone. But I'm sure they're playing together upstairs or wherever they are. Uh, I don't know if jazz musicians go upstairs. That's debatable. But uh, John Lewis was the musical director. And, and uh, uh, you know, for years, I, I, um, I was never a fan of John Lewis's piano playing. I always thought that um, his playing was kind of superficial, uh, lacked emotion, um, was kind of uh, tinkly, kind of diddling around. Uh, the person that I was interested in the modern jazz quartet, of course, was the vibes player, Milt Jackson. But I've come to love John Lewis's um, piano playing, the way he accompanies Milt Jackson, and the way he solos. His solos are models of economy. He doesn't waste one note. He's like a modern-day Count Basie. Not one note is wasted. Everything makes sense. And uh, I have come to really, really appreciate uh, the mastery and the magnificence of John Lewis. So uh, that shows, you know, taste can change over the years. All of a sudden, uh, uh, maybe it was just simply um, a growing on my part, growing up, I suppose. Uh, and uh, I really love this album. We're going to go back to... Um, an album they, they did. It was their, uh, an early album when they moved from Prestige Records to Atlantic Records. As a matter of fact, it was their first album that they did for Atlantic Records, done in January of 1956. And the album was called Fontessa. And, uh, of course, Atlantic was a, a classy uh, record label, and uh, their records were um, beautifully recorded and and uh, their packaging was so good, uh, informative liner notes and so on. And it was a perfect label for the modern jazz quartet. So we hear John Lewis at the piano, Mel Jackson on the vibes, Percy Heath on bass, and Connie Kay on drums, who replaced the original drummer, who was Kenny Clark. And Connie Kay, of course, was with the band until its uh, demise. We're going to hear three tunes. The first one is a favorite. It was written by Dizzy Gillespie. And just listen to the way John Lewis um, not only solos on this, but accompanies Milt Jackson. It's so beautiful uh, it's, and swings so hard. Uh, these gentlemen never pushed music at you, but they swung so, so beautifully. The first tune is called Wooden You, and it uh, was written by Dizzy in the mid-40s. Then we're going to hear um, a tune that everybody knows. From the Wizard of Oz, and the tune is Harold Arlen's Over the Rainbow. And we're going to end with a Milt Jackson composition entitled Bluesology. So here then, three tunes by the wonderful modern jazz quartet. Thank you. 
We heard three pieces by the Modern Jazz Quartet from their first album that they did for Atlantic Records, an album called Fontessa, and it was recorded in uh, January of 1956 and February 1956. Um, we heard three tunes, and of course the people involved, the musical director and uh, brains and soul jazz quartet was pianist John Lewis. And on vibes, of course, there's the one and Percy Heath, and Andre, and was Wooden You, and of course was the tune Over the Rainbow, and the final tune was Milt Jackson's Blues, Ology, from Fontessa, the Modern Jazz Quartet, the MJQ, and as I mentioned before, that was the longest uh, last in the history of the music. Uh, those four guys did everything. They played uh, before uh, kings, queens, princesses. They brought jazz music to... Um, venues that, well, <laughs> jazz music was normally not heard in. And, uh, of course, they distinguished themselves um, throughout their career, uh, the modern jazz quartet. They broke up for a while in the 70s and then reunited until uh, they all began, um, as I said, uh, succumbing to illness and passing away. The MJQ. We're going to hear a Canadian artist uh, right after some messages here, and uh, she is coming to Vancouver, and you will hear some of her music uh, in a very few moments. But uh, we do have a couple of messages that we would like to deliver. Just a reminder that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And my name is Gavin Walker, so I hope you're enjoying the show, and we'll be right back, right after these messages. Want to know what's up at UBC? Read the UBC. It's only the largest student newspaper in Western Canada, and it's written and edited entirely by UBC students. The UBC is your source for on-campus news, culture, and sports. New editions come out every Monday and Thursday. For breaking news as well as amazing videos and blogs, check out ubc.ca. For the very best in bluegrass music, plus classic country, Cajun, rockabilly, western swing, and whatever jumps off the shelves at us, tune in every Tuesday morning at 6.30 for... Pacific Pickin' with your host Arthur Berman and I'm Andrea the lovely Andrea who will also provide you with our concert calendar and every bit of news and information you can possibly need and as if that wasn't enough there's a warm-up show at 6 featuring a little bit of a wider variety of roots and branches of bluegrass music so tune in each morning 6 for the warm-up show 6.30 for the main show Pacific Pickin' on CITR 101.9 in Vancouver
Well, have we got weather for you for uh, <laughs> the week. All right. Well, it's the end of October, heading into November, Halloween, all that sort of stuff is happening. And, of course, our weather is really typical for this time of year. So tonight is cloudy, um, rain, uh, wind, all that kind of stuff with a low of 9. Then tomorrow will be showers, at times heavy, plus uh, lots of wind and, and stuff like that with a low of 9 and a high of 13. Then a little bit of a respite on Wednesday with a uh, cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower. On Wednesday with a low of 12 and a high of 13, not, not much variation in temperature there. Then uh, showers on Thursday with a low of 10, high of 12. Uh, periods of rain on Friday with a low of 9, high of 11. Rain on Saturday, which is maybe different from periods of rain. I don't know. <laughs> low of 7, high of 11. And then back to periods of rain on Sunday with a low of 7 and a high of 12. So that's uh, pretty well the picture. Uh, dark and gloomy and uh, whatever. Perfect for Halloween. But, uh, you know, I always... I always feel bad for the little kids uh, out there that uh, look so forward to going around and getting uh, you know, candy and uh, all, all kinds of stuff and, and uh, being rained on, of course. But um, the adults, well, I don't worry about too much because they're going hit, to hit the bars and, and that sort of things. But the little kids get out on the street and knock on doors and ring doorbells and stuff like that. So it would be nice if uh, the rain let up for them, but... Uh, We'll just have to see. All right. Here's a young lady from Toronto. Uh, she plays the alto saxophone. Her name is Allison Au, A-U. And um, I might have pronounced that uh, not quite correctly, but she's a very, very fine musician. This album was nominated uh, for the Best Contemporary Jazz Album of the Year by the Junos in 2013. Now, it has um, been scheduled for international release tomorrow, October 28th. And uh, to celebrate international release, uh, Allison is bringing her band to um, jazz clubs in Western Canada. So she's playing in Saskatchewan and Regina and in Fernie. Yeah, there's a jazz scene in Fernie and an audience up there. Uh, also um, in Nanaimo, of course. And... In Vancouver, she'll be playing at the Tangent Cafe down on Commercial Drive. She'll be bringing her band in there, and the date is November 6th. So she'll be there November 6th. We're going to hear two tunes from this wonderful album called The Sky Was Pale Blue, Then Gray. And it's the Allison Owl Quartet with Allison on alto saxophone, Todd Pentley on piano, um, Jonathan... Um, Maharaj on acoustic bass, and Fabio Rangeli on drums. And um, we're going to hear two tunes. Both of these compositions are composed by Allison, and they're, they're really uh, very interesting pieces of music and haunting and everything else. Uh, it's quite a wonderful uh, production. The first one is called Birdie, and the second tune um, is called what went with the wind? Remember the old standard tune? You probably won't, uh, those of you of a certain age, but maybe some older people would remember the tune Gone with the Wind. Well, or the movie, one of the most famous movies of all time, Gone with the Wind. 
Anyway, Allison wrote this tune and called it What Went With the Wind. So there you go. I think that's where she got it from. So these two compositions played by the Allison Owl Quartet. Hope you enjoy her music. Thank you. 
tracks from an album called The Sky Was Pale Blue, Then Gray. Alison Owl from a wonderful alto saxophonist and composer, and this was her band. She is uh, going to be performing in Vancouver at the Tangent Cafe, 6th, and uh, you can call them down there for the uh, times and all that kind of stuff. Um, and Allison will be bringing her band there. Uh, she is on a, a Western Canada tour because this album is being internationally released tomorrow, and uh, it was nominated in 2013 for um, a Juno Award, the Best Contemporary Jazz Album. Allison on alto saxophone, Todd Pentley on piano, Jonathan Maharaj on acoustic bass, and Fabio Rangeli on drums. We heard two compositions. The first one was entitled Birdie, and the second tune was called What Went With the Wind. Allison All. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker, and this is The Jazz Show, and we're here until 12 midnight with some of the very best in jazz music. And if you've been with us the whole evening, we certainly hope that you uh, have enjoyed the music, and uh, we will continue to do that every week right here on CITR. Some great websites to get onto. The website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. These are the people that never sleep. They, of course, produce the great jazz festival, uh, undoubtedly the most popular cultural event of the year. And uh, they're in the midst of um, getting things together for next year's jazz festival. They work very hard all year round and because uh, it takes a lot of planning and all that stuff. So everybody works hard. But they have a very comprehensive website, which is always worthwhile going on to, and that's coastaljazz.ca. That's a good website, and uh, you'll see their concerts and dates, times, and how to purchase tickets uh, on that particular website. And I always mention there's another fine website, which covers um, all kinds of gigs here in Vancouver, because they crop up everywhere now. And uh, it's not one place. Like when the cellar was happening, of course, uh, you could always depend on going to one location. But now gigs are happening all over and uh, at various um, times of the week and uh, in various places. So a really good website to get onto is VancouverJazz.com. That's a website which is kept up to date by my old friend Brian Nation. does a, a yeoman's job on that website. And um, there's all sorts of links on there as well that are very interesting uh, opinions and views. And our jazz features are on there. You can check them out uh, on uh, the Jazz on the Air link in the forum, which is on there. And uh, uh, musicians' biographies. And it's, it's a really complete website, VancouverJazz.com. All right, that's a good one. And, of course, I always mention my buddy Ken Speller, who is a fine musician and a music teacher as well. Very uh, erudite and very talented gentleman, but he is also a repairman. That's very important if you play uh, a wind instrument of any kind, but especially a reed wind instrument like a clarinet, saxophone, or flute. Ken Speller will fix them up for you. 
Um, he'll tweak them so they sound good, or if you need a complete overhaul, he can do that. He keeps his prices uh, as low as possible because he does work from his home, uh, which is located in North Vancouver in the 13th and Lonsdale area. So Ken can be reached at 778-800-1933, 778-800-1933, or via email at kspeller, K-S-P-E-L-L-E-R, underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. kspeller, underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. And uh, as I said, he's a very reliable, very good repairman. A lot of people are discovering Ken's talents um, at this. And uh, even if your instrument needs a little tweak, uh, that's good. Uh, if it needs a complete overhaul, he'll do all that stuff too. So there you go. Good man to know. Whether you're a student, professional, or an amateur, go see Ken. All right. Here is, um, we're going to take you back to 1953. These were very famous recordings. They were um, called the Buck Clayton Jam Sessions. Buck Clayton, of course, was a, a, an alumnus of the Count Basie Orchestra, one of the finest trumpet solos uh, of his day. And Columbia Records um, contracted uh, Buck to put together a group of musicians and uh, jam. Um, the LP record was, was coming into, into being in the early 50s, and uh, it, the idea was to bring um, the jam session to the recording studio, and Buck Clayton was asked to bring a group of musicians of his era uh, to the studio and, and record and play as long as they wanted to, and uh, Columbia would, would put the albums out, and they did. Uh, and they were referred to, there's a whole series of them referred to as Buck Clayton Jam Sessions. So we're going to hear a track from one of them. Uh, this was the first one that they recorded, December 14, 1953, in New York. And, of course, all the people, most of the people involved here are uh, people involved with the, with the old Count Basie Orchestra of the 30s. And uh, we hear Buck on trumpet, along with fellow Basieite Joe Newman uh, on this one. Two wonderful trombone players, Irby Green, of course, who... Uh, uh, did so much studio work and, and so on. He was extremely fine soloist. And Benny Powell, of course, who was in the Basie band in the um, 50s. And uh, a wonderful alto saxophonist who um, really appreciated Charlie Parker, but he kind of had a, 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 a sound that re, uh, reflected older players. And I always liked his playing, Lem Davis. And on tenor saxophone, one of the underrated greats from the swing era, a gentleman named Julian Dash, and uh, we'll hear his fine work. And on baritone saxophone, he was uh, the baritone saxophonist with Basie's band for many years, Charlie Folks. And on piano, Sir Charles Thompson. And the old Basie rhythm section is put back together again for this session. Freddie Green on guitar, Walter Page on bass, and Papa Joe Jones on drums. And here's a tune written by Benny Moten called Moten Swing. Mm -hmm. 
yes, studio audience, very fine collection of um, swing-oriented musicians, uh, most of them from the old bases. Reunited leadership of trumpeter Buck Clayton, recorded for 1953, the Buck Clayton Jam Sessions. And we heard two trumpets, Buck Clayton and Joe Newman. Two wonderful trombonists, Irby Green and Benny Powell. Lem Davis on alto saxophone, and, and so underrated, Julian Dash on tenor saxophone. Charlie Folks, uh, non-soloing on baritone saxophone. And Sir Charles Thompson on piano doing a, a really good bassy impression. Freddie Green on guitar, Walter Page on bass, Joe Jones on drums. Those three guys were known as the All-American Rhythm Section. And uh, that's, they got that name when they were Count Basie's Rhythm Section back in the 30s. And we heard a tune written by Benny Moten called Moten Swing. Here is uh, a gentleman who has always been a favorite of mine, and I, I got to know him. He came to Vancouver in the 50s to the original cellar, uh, did a tour on his own, played with local musicians, uh, and then headed back to New York City. And um, I remember meeting him then, and we are reacquainted um, in the 70s when he came to uh, a place in Gastown that was one of the great short-lived jazz clubs called Lucy's Jazz Workshop. And he was part of a band called Artistic Truth, uh, which was led by uh, singer Eddie Jefferson and had uh, uh, Marcus Belgrave, the great uh, Detroit trumpeter, and one of my favorite saxophonists, Sonny Red, and um, here he is on alto saxophone. Sonny, of course, was from Detroit and one of the more underrated alto saxophonists. He assembled a group of all-star musicians for this tune, um, all of them except pianist Winton Kelly were all from Detroit. And, of course, uh, Sonny Red grew up with all of these guys, and, of course, they had a simpatico um, mutual admiration society here. Sonny Red on alto saxophone, along with the great late Pepper Adams on baritone saxophone. The one uh, non-Detroit musician was the great Winton Kelly on piano, and Doug Watkins on bass, and Elvin Jones on drums. And we're going to hear uh, a tune that was written by Fats Navarro and uh, saxophonist Don Lanfear. This is a tune called Stop, Sonny Red.
Yeah, that was a piece of music that was actually based on a standard and um, entitled Stop. And it was written uh, by Fats Navarro and Don Lanfear for a famous recording session and played here by the wonderful Sonny Red on alto saxophone along with a whole bunch of Detroit musicians, Pepper Adams, the great Pepper Adams on baritone saxophone, and the non-Detroiter on piano, the sparkling pianist, Winton Kelly. He was actually born in uh, Kingston, Jamaica, and raised in New York, Winton Kelly. And on bass, another Detroiter, Doug Watkins, and on drums, of course, the great Elvin Jones, recorded in uh, November of 1957 for... uh, Regent Records. Stop was the name of the tune. That's about it for uh, the jazz show this evening. It's um, been uh, a long three hours, and I hope that you uh, were able to catch some of the show, if not uh, all of it. So we'll be back in seven days time of course with uh, another edition of the jazz show you are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer www.citr.ca stay tuned after uh, we hear a bit of our theme uh, Adam Smiley is going to come in and deliver some uh, real goods for you so don't touch that dial And um, stay with us. If you're up, stay up. All right. My name's Gavin Walker. This has been another edition of The Jazz Show. And I guess uh, the month of October for us is over. We'll be back uh, the first Monday in November with another edition. So we'd like to thank you very much for being out there this evening. And hope you enjoyed the show. And we'll see you in seven days' time. Bye for now. Do-ba-dee-oo.